0: Everyone and welcome to the Fourth and Inches podcast with your hosts Stuart Love and Suit Deep Poonie. Um, our comrade Gareth missing in action is missing in action tonight, and he's having a family night off. So um, we're just going to bash on as always. So Suit, how are you doing, buddy? It's, as you know, it's been a crazy ten days uh, <laughs> from a social media standpoint. Anything you want to to say before we draw a line on this matter?
1: No, I think um, whatever's been said has been said. Like I said, just draw a line under it. Uh, one thing I would like to say, though, is um, the NFL community has come out again and shown its worth in terms of how much they support people. You know, when things are going wrong, they're there for each other. I was saying to you the other day, Stuart, I think um, if it had been any other sport, I don't think would have got this sort of, um, you know, support you know from from people so i just want to you know say a big thank you to everyone you know for all their kind messages including our guests who we've got on tonight
0: yeah i mean absolutely just before we, we, we move on from that subject i think the nfl uk um, official facebook page came together in that situation and it was overwhelming that the support that you got yourself i think it was amazing
1: yeah no it was uh definitely very overwhelming but like i said there's There's more work to be done. Um, It's not just a simple matter of, you know, addressing it. Things have to sort of be done in the future. And hopefully, you know, stuff like, you know, examples like this, people can be brought to justice and and we can... It just goes to show there's always... It's just one bad apple, isn't it? And there's like 100 really good people out of, you know... So 99 people who are good out of 100, really.
0: No, absolutely. But what I'm really excited about today's show is... Um, I get to chat with my NFL UK partner in crime, NFL photographer, British amateur American football zebra. It is Mr. Roger Goodgroves. It's only taken about five years to get you on here. Roger, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm doing very well, Stuart. Thank you. Good. I mean, obviously, how has the last three months of lockdown treated you? And has any tree branches fallen on your head lately? Thankfully, just the one. (laughs)
1: Oh god,
0: <laughs> I mean, when I've seen that, I mean, literally, I mean, I think the whole NFL UK community just was like, What has happened here? It was like something out of a zombie apocalypse. It was like, Stuart,
1: do you remember how you found that out?
0: Was it you? I
1: it... sent you, I was like, Look what's happened to Roger because I know you're always <laughs> talking about Roger, and I was like, He's just literally. Well, the weird thing is, when Boris said that we we've got to sort of be aware i wasn't
2: quite thinking that it was talking about when i was walking the dog the, in the park so <laughs> but, uh,
0: but how, how has the last three months been for you buddy you doing good yeah i'm doing all right
2: actually i mean considering um you know the my main uh, job is a music photographer shooting live bands and of course there's no gigs going um, so that's a bit of a disappointment. We've had the uh, NFL games not happening, uh, which I also shoot, which uh, is a bit of a shame, um, and from a, uh, my Zebra side of things, then um, I'm Director of Operations for the British American Football Referees Association, and I coordinate all the games what crews go to games, and obviously there's no, no games, so it's been quite quiet. I mean, it's actually quite nice for me, actually, uh, in a way. It's been a little bit like a holiday, and... Uh, I think the reality of that will kick in soon. But currently, I'm
0: all right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be strange having no games in London. Um, I mean, how do you think the NFL season pans out from an American uh, point of view? Because it's going to be the financial implications if they can't bring fans into the stadium. Um, how do you see it mapping it out? Do you see maybe 50-50 fans coming in or no fans at all? Um, I think it would be mixed. I think it would be mixed by
2: state. Um, different states in America have different views about being open and not, uh, for better or worse. Um, and you'll find some states will be very open about what they allow. Other states will be very closed and you might actually find games being played behind closed doors. Or, what you might find is that games are played in different places so you'd expect. So a, a game might be moved to a different state, a bit more liberal. Um, And I think that might happen. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised anyway if it did. That That is interesting, isn't it,
1: Stuart? Uh, Can you imagine with... So, for example, you look at stadiums like the Miami Dolphins where they don't really sell out every game. um, uh, Will they allow away fans or fans from other states into those stadiums? (laughs) Is it going to be... You know, people only from that state allowed in. You've got people coming from abroad as well. I mean, I know you used to particularly like to um, travel to these games. Are they going to allow tourists in? You know, it's going to be it's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? So yeah. many things to think about.
2: It, it, very much. I think, from answer to your question, I think Florida will let fans in. I think they will let anybody in. And I don't think you'll find too much interstate travel restrictions. Um, I mean, there will be still. Um, international restrictions I suspect for a while Um, uh, and therefore that will restrict us I'm afraid Um, but I think from a US only point of view they won't restrict people Um, but it will be state dependent as to what's allowed
0: Yeah I mean it's going to be very interesting to see how it goes forward because the NFL seem to be at the forefront um, of of driving the sport I mean the way that they, they conducted the draft for me was absolutely sensational Um, and and they made that happen. So it's going to be interesting to see just how this develops and and how the season um, goes forward. But we've got Roger on here. I'm so happy to have my my partner in crime. Um, First and foremost, Roger, um, it's something I don't know, but how did you get into the NFL? I mean, what team did you follow growing (laughs) up? And also, I know you've been to Super Bowls, Co., could you share that experience
2: with us? Yeah, sure. Um, okay. Um, getting into the NFL goes a long way back. Uh, World of Sport used to have a little segment for about 15 minutes on a Saturday afternoon, and they showed highlights of the Super Bowl. Um, I didn't understand what was going on because it was just too quick to really appreciate it, but it fascinated me. So that was my introduction to the NFL. Um, then, of course, that blossomed when Channel 4 came along and started showing real games. Um, and I started playing at the same time, uh, played for a team called Northampton Storm um, in the uh, British football, uh, started as a running back, ended up as a tight end. Then I coached for a while and I uh, took a break from football and then I came back as an official. So I like now wear the zebra strikes and um, sit on the sidelines and, and watch in for foul play.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, um, how many Super Bowls have you actually been to? So I've been very fortunate. Four, which uh, and wow. four, uh, what I would describe as really great, memorable Super Bowls. I mean, I,
2: I couldn't have got luckier to pick four, I think. My first was the year that um, the Patriots had won
0: everything all season, and they faced New York Giants in the final, and lost. <laughs> I was cheering for the Giants. Wow!
2: And the reason I was cheering for the Giants was the biggest reason, well, other than Pro uh, being anti. <laughs> Patriots, Um, (laughs) the biggest reason was they they played their game, uh, one of their games, in Wembley that year. Yeah, the Miami game. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. So it was a case of, well, brilliant, you know, a team that comes to London deserves my support. So for no other reason, it wouldn't just be a Patriots hating, Then I was supporting the Giants. So that was just a great victory. Uh, That was in Arizona. That was my first. So that was memorable, because I didn't expect a Giants victory. Um, Second one was Pittsburgh Cardinals, if I remember rightly. Um, which was a brilliant game. Uh, I'm sure you would like that one.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the fact that you were there to just see Ben Roethlisberger with two chances into the end zone and throws that, that deep pass to Antonio Holmes is incredible. Wow. I'll stop it, Stuart. <laughs> <But>
2: the, <laughs> Any the, excuse? The play that, that springs to mind for me in that game was the one just before half-time with an interception in the end zone when it looked like Cardinals were just about to score. Run all the way back for a score at the other end. That was a memorable play. Oh, and you know, I could see the clock ticking down. And I was thinking, get out of bounds, get out of Because it, <laughs> it, it, it was so close to
0: being all or nothing. I mean, he got the all, but it could have been so close to being nothing for that play. Yeah, and play Larry, just Fitzger- never ended. Larry Fitzgerald ran all the way up. He almost stopped that play. He did. Fitzgerald so goes, close. Oof. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, and what other Super Bowls you have been to? Um, so then, uh, what
2: was the third? Um, got oh, um, in Miami, Colts versus um, the Saints. This was wow. the year that um, New Orleans, or the first year that New Orleans
0: had got back um, after Katrina. Um, yep. So
2: it was yeah, very yeah. memorable. It was a very pro-New uh, Orleans, and I support New Orleans. Um, I, I was very fortunate. I got a ticket for that one off uh, a friend of mine, and I was actually in the corporate um, sort of areas, and I was following J Lo down a corridor. That gave you some idea of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> company <laughs> it was Condoleezza Rice, who at the time was um, uh, I think she was foreign secretary for the state at the
0: time, but uh, yeah, suddenly wow. uh, loads of FBI wow. uh, agents suddenly descended on the area I was in, in the, the sort of food
2: area, and. Uh, Suddenly, she to stroll through, going to the um, the owners box, and it was just an unbelievable experience from that point of view. Uh, another part of that that was memorable it was it was not the football, but I'd, I'd flown over and, and being a sort of regular to the Super Bowls by then, I actually um, stayed in, in Orlando, not in in Miami, because it's so expensive to stay near where the the game's going on. Yeah, um, Always sold out. always really expensive. So I stayed in Orlando because you can get really cheap. Um, uh, hotels, and I suffered the usual coming on the Friday, Saturday, be jet lagged, not able to sleep properly. And there was a space launch going to be the last ever night launch from Canaveral, um, was the night before the Super Bowl, and I, I said to myself, well, if I wake up in the middle of the night like I have been doing, and rather than just sort of try and go back to sleep again, I'll go to Canaveral and watch. So I went over, woke up, went over to Canaveral, got there, five minutes before launch, they cancelled it. I was like, oh. <laughs> and then I I drove down from Canaveral down the coast to the game. And of course by this time I was tired. Tired as hell. So I actually slept in the stadium behind one of the concession trucks <laughs> for a couple of hours. Oh, Just gosh.
0: 2012. is that
2: 2012? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. Probably. It's so probably a while ago. I the, the lights? I can't remember. February 2013. But... It was. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah. Lights went out in the Superdome, uh, super and uh, again, that was just. Wow. Wow. Uh...
0: sharing that with us um, I was going to use this question for later but I'm going to ask um, so I spoke to you a while back Roger and you were in Jacksonville uh, for the Patriots Jaguars um, and you bumped into a Mr Tom Brady Or <laughs> bumped into would be a
2: little bit And so we wandered down to the the Patriots locker room, and it was all mad, loads of uh, uh, photographers and um, press all crowding around various players doing interviews. And my mate tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, Tom Brady over there. And he was all, normally in the locker room they have the names over the top of the lockers. And um, he he didn't have the name over the locker, so nobody would pay him any particular attention. Maybe he should get finished getting dressed. And um, so (laughs) so I turned around, and i like, Oh, and just at that moment, his mind came along to bring him to the press room to actually do the interview. So basically, it was like, right, we're whisking off now. And, and we went with the group, and there was only him and his mind there and me and my mate walking down the corridor uh, in Jacksonville to the press room. So we walk in um, just behind him, just as the the, the, uh, the media show is starting, and he's walking up to a and we're walking in. Then dodging the camera angle to try and get back behind the, the camera so <laughs> he could catch coming in with him. Look very
0: strange. Wow.
2: That's incredible. So yeah, that was that was that was good. I'm mean, for my mate, I, I, I mean, he couldn't thank me enough. I mean, you know, as a big Patriots fan, a huge Patriots fan, then uh, he uh, he just was over the moon.
0: So. No, I mean that that's absolutely super cool, but um, one thing that obviously I know you're very passionate about is photography. Um, You're obviously involved within music, but how did that evolve into NFL, Um, and where did that start from? Um, It started really with me
2: doing some reporting uh, for some websites, um, so doing some journalistic side of things about rules and the NFL generally. And then one of the websites asked me if I would be interested in shooting the NFL games in London. That was a no-brainer, wasn't it? so it didn't take me a, a, a microsecond to actually respond. Um, they weren't successful in their applications for a couple of years, so it, it took a couple of years before the NFL said yes. Um, by this time, I'd been shooting the various press days that the NFL have when um, the team's come over to practice, and I by then um, was more known to the NFL photographer is that the NFL photographer who's been with them since the Monarchs days, um, he, he does all the approvals that when the list comes out of who, which photographers are actually allowed to shoot the games. And by this time, he then knew me, which obviously held in the application. So that was the history of it.
1: Wow. So, Roger, have you ever got into any sort of deep conversations with any sort of players? Because I've I've noticed you a couple of times, you know, right? you're right amongst them near the sort of sidelines. Have you ever had any sort of engagements with some of the players?
2: Um, Not when they're playing. Generally speaking, I've done interviews with players. uh, People, when Jacksonville have been over, I've done interviews with people like Mark Brunel and um, a few of the others, um, Keelan Cardle, people like that. Um, On game day, generally speaking, um, you're not interviewing them. I'm there to do photographs, and that that we want to concentrate on. Mm-hmm. I have been lucky enough for other reasons at Wembley doing the chain crew uh, stuff, so I've been there on the sidelines, and people like Joe Thaisman there, and I've had conversations with him. You know, wow.
1: Well, I'm sure the Redskins need you. Now. I mean, fifteen—was it fifteen dollars last year to watch them play? <laughs>
2: yeah, it, it, when I first started watching, they definitely didn't. they liked the, the likes with riggings and and winning Super Bowls. No, they definitely didn't need me then. But so, yes, nowadays yeah. I think they could
1: use anybody. Now, I have a lot of respect for the '80s teams. I remember Doug Williams, obviously a former Buck, um, you know, winning the Super Bowl for them. You know that that particular one was quite special, I think, from a Redskins fan's point of view. Yeah, very much.
0: It was was so funny. Um, So I was at the Bears uh, Raiders game uh, last October um, at the Spurs Stadium and I just received a text message from Roger saying, can you look over at the end zone on your right-hand side and say cheese with Paul Brown? And there is Roger snapping me and Paul Brown uh, with Amy. I was like, wow. And just watching Roger all around that. Sounds like a porn movie, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Absolutely. Especially with Amy around. But yeah, no, it was absolutely fantastic. But the the, the main reason, obviously, Roger, um, obviously we're both heavily involved um, in the NFL UK scene for our own sins. Um, but I know that obviously you're passionate about um, officiating, um, you're obviously involved in the amateur American football scene within the UK. First and foremost, what made you become a zebra and, and where did this come from? I think it goes back to my
2: playing days actually. I was the what you loosely describe as the team expert in the rules. Um, so the players would ask me, Is that right? Can they do that? Or you know, uh, what, what's going to be the penalty or how's it going to be enforced and that sort of thing? So I, I was the one they turned to time was how little I knew, and it was only when I actually tried to become an official to realise the depth of the rule book and uh, to realise how little I actually knew at the time. But compared to everybody else, I was an expert. It just so happened that um, it was uh, the blind leading the blind. (laughs) So I I was always sort of interested, um, and and that sort of developed from there, um, watching um, uh, Total Access when Dean Blandino used to come on and uh, blokey
1: is uh, by the way they uh, <laughs> he's um he's someone actually um sorry to jump in but he's someone yeah, um yeah. i'm into getting autographs through the mail and ed is someone you can literally send him an email and he will send you a signed photo without paying any postage and wow, like, he's yeah, he's an right. absolute amazing amazing person like you could literally send an email after email and i will have a chat with you, and he doesn't even yeah. know, he doesn't even question where yeah. this email com- comes from. He's just, you
2: know. Yeah, I, I, I was very fortunate on that day. I um, won a little competition that they ran, uh, which was uh, sort of predict the rule uh, in instant replay and how it will go, and I, I won in that. And I actually won a referee's jersey um, and I had the crew sign it, so I've actually got uh, one of eight signatures. But he was a great guy and uh, very encouraging. Uh, and so it really went from there. Uh, in terms of my interest, that's what got me back into the UK at the end of uh, officiating. Um, and I'm now Director of Operations for the British American Football Referees Association. So Wow. Um, I did, did it all, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I, I find crews. And, and one of the very fortunate parts of the job is I get to cr- choose the crews that do the London game for the chain crew. Um, so I don't, uh, you're probably aware that the guys on the, the sideline Officials, and yeah. I get to choose who goes and does that job, so I become very popular at a certain time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> and then and,
0: and also Roger me and you get obviously very popular with Liz Bandari as well when it comes to ticket sales but that's <laughs> we don't have to worry about that this year this is absolutely fantastic though. well there is that
2: <laughs> no more complaints about when they're going to arrive oh
0: I'm God. sure
1: there will be I'm sure there will be you're underestimating the NFL UK community I think guys true, but true. one thing I did want to ask Roger this has always fascinated me with the sort of um you know British American football scene. Um I regularly go watch the uh, Leicester Falcons. I don't know if you've obviously been there before, but yep. um you may have obviously been. You live in Northampton, is that right or, or close? Well, no,
2: I, I used to um, yeah. when I used to play, um but my kids still live in Northampton, so i, okay. I have a regular visitor back up there. So not far down um, the M1. So I, I, I'm yeah, I, I'm near Windsor nowadays. So ah, fair enough. At least temporary.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, like with um, obviously the NFL. In hindsight, they have the benefit of, you know, technology. They can obviously go back and look at a million different screenshots of certain plays and still get it wrong. Um, you know,
2: plausable. But go on.
1: <laughs> yeah, New Orleans Saints fans, feel free yeah, to. Yeah, I'll give you that <laughs> oh, yeah. How do you guys uh, manage to sort of get things right? And have you sort of had any confrontation with? players, uh, you know, in relation to certain calls that you've made?
2: Let's be clear about one thing. Um, Whilst they have replay in the States, they don't need replay for the majority of what happens. Mm. Approximately 96% of all calls they make, and remember that on every down, it's not just whether it was a completion or not, it's, you know, was the formation correct, was the man in motion correct, um, did the alignment block correctly, was a passing it? So there are multiple decisions on every play. But 96% of the plays, they get right. There are obviously some that they won't. Um, but the key when you're talking about getting it right on the field for the UK game is that every official has a different area of responsibility. So we're not ball watching like you would in terms of the, what you see on the TV. We're actually watching specific areas to make sure that there's no foul play in that area. So that makes it easier because, obviously, you're concentrating on a smaller amount. It does make it more difficult when somebody turns around and says, ref, didn't you see that? Well, no, I didn't because, for example, as a referee, you might say, well, ref, didn't you see that pass interference? Well, no, because I was looking after your quarterback making sure that there wasn't a late hit on him. So I'm not looking for that. Um, And you wouldn't want me to be because you'd want me to look after your quarterback. So if you're asking me, did I see that pass interference, and I say yes, you should be saying, well, why weren't you looking after my quarterback? So, to, to answer your question in a sort of more direct way, we see things on the field because we're looking for specific things in a narrow area, not in the broad game. And always replay can help because often it will have an angle that the referee on the field didn't have. And that's what makes the difference and why replay can be useful to add on top of what's already there. Concentration of is very very little. Although, to be honest, uh, People, and I'll use it in the broader sense of the world and talk about fans as well as players, they they have their rose tinted glasses and they always see something their way. And if they don't get the call going their way, they're not happy. Now, it doesn't mean to say the call is wrong. Uh, A a, a good example of that would be a good friend of mine who was a very respected official in the UK, and I would rate his judgment very highly. But in the Super Bowl, he was supporting the 49ers, a big 49ers fan, and when there was the push off uh, from the tight end, he was complaining about it bitterly that it wasn't the call, but the majority of all the other officials were saying, "Yeah, that was, that was clear." Um, but you know, so the rose tinted glasses come in even when you're an official if you're not careful. If you're following a particular team, and that's why it's good not to be team affiliated.
0: Wow, that's actually amazing. Great um, answer. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, one thing, obviously, Roger, um, obviously, uh, we know each other well. Um, I follow a lot what you do. Um, what is your relationship with the great uh, Dean uh, Blandino? Um, obviously, he was the vice president for the NFL officiating team. And um, if I remember right, is he not actually doing college um, replay um, within in football? I just, I remember you were doing some sort of conference calls with him.
2: Yeah, that goes back to what I was saying about the Ad Ockley day. Um... Dean was in charge of the NFL officials back then, and um, due to my uh, journalistic stuff, then I kept in contact with him about um, asking him various questions about how plays had been officiated, yeah. why it goes this way or that way. Moved the story on a few years, I would attended various clinics in the States um, run by uh, NFL clinicians, and I'd mentioned to Dean about, was there something similar for replay. Got long story short, he said, "Yeah, there's a course coming up in Chicago. I'll get you on it." I thought, "Wow, that's brilliant! Yeah, I didn't expect that." But oh, uh, anyway, long story short, I got to this uh, this uh, what was supposed to be a training event, and it was actually an interview event. But um, they were doing some training, but they were also doing psychometric tests, IQ tests, uh, rules tests, etc., etc. And I was just like blown away by this. I just didn't expect it. It wasn't what I was expecting. But after the event, I said to Dean, I said. I know this wasn't aiming for me, but if you're ever doing anything internationally, um, keep me in mind. And anyway, he turned around and said, you scored very highly and would give you a job tomorrow, Uh, which presented myself a a bit of a a dilemma, because of course, this required a work visa in order to work in the States, but it would be an ideal job. Unfortunately, for last season, it didn't come out, because I couldn't get the uh, work visa sorted in time, Um, so unfortunately, the job I had to pass on. Uh, but I've been last six weeks or so been um, doing the replay official training with the Big Ten, um, uh, keeping me in mind. I guess would be the best way of putting that. So one day maybe uh, it'd be lovely if I could get out there and uh, do something in the NFL. But uh, if I look for the, the college Division One, that would be very good too. So I'm wow. not
0: setting my sights too high. I mean, I mean that's where I was. I was obviously going to finish up um, with the podcast. Is what is. The, the future of Roger within the NFL or the, the NFL UK um, officiating? I mean, are you looking at college, high school, going over to the States? I mean, you've just answered that, but wow. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think if you said to any official, you know, what, what games would you
2: like to officiate? And the best games are the one you'd love to be at, but we love officiating all games. So, you know, we can have an aspiration for uh, being in the top legion, but, you know, to be honest, if, if, if a British official got to do anything officiating in the US whether it be college or NFL would be in itself amazing because you know it's a bit like you know, players who played over here and then go into end up playing in the, the NFL it's such a leap um, so any chance of getting over there and doing that would just be amazing you'll be oh. a celebrity wouldn't you <laughs> Well, I, I NFL that they would, <laughs> for good or bad, and that, that's obviously a dual sword Because you imagine it over here, and if suddenly the VAR was being run by an American, there would be some questions about judgment yes. that would not be yes. related to whether they were making the good judgment at all. It would be, God, the Yanks come over here telling us how to play football. So you imagine it the other way around. You've got the brick coming over telling tell them how the rules should be run
0: it's It almost just takes me back to how people view Neil Reynolds at times because it's the mm. the the British guy with a British accent knowledgeable about American football, and people don't like it. people actually don't like it, but that is a whole other podcast on its own because don't get me started on that i mean <laughs>
2: yes, it would be different
0: um, as uh, you're right I mean people have
2: a I'd call it a prejudice and so maybe coming back to the conversation that we started with really which is you know. People judge, uh, not necessarily on equals, um, and they should. And if somebody's good enough to do a job, they should be doing that job, regardless of their sex, colour, uh, orientation, or whatever.
0: So um, that's my message. Oh, absolutely. Agreed Sorry. 100%. I mean, Roger, I love you to bits. Um, we've been through a lot over the last few years and what we do in the NFL UK community. Sook, um, you're now... In the NFL UK community, and you've been through a you've been through a horrendous experience the last few weeks. But one thing we can take from all this is the NFL UK community as a whole is amazing. I mean, the, the amount of people that Rogers met, I've met. I mean, through the NFL UK community, all three of us have managed to build relationships, um, and I think we're very fortunate um, to have such a a wonderful, wonderful community um, of, of friends. So. Um, anything you want to say, Suk, before we, we close up?
1: No, I just want to thank Roger. I mean, this was um, a very, very interesting podcast. I loved um, getting his insight into sort of officiating yeah, yeah. and his, hearing his stories about the Super Bowl. I mean, he could, you know, I'm sure that there's a whole podcast on just talking about those four Super Bowls. Uh, oh, the first thing that was coming into my head was the um the onside kick as well, you know, between the Saints and the Colts. What a play that was. You yeah. Know, a gutsy call by
2: Sean Payton to do that. that. call,
1: yeah. Yeah, very exactly. much. On the biggest base. So many memories there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I was so fortunate. I mean, you know, four Super Bowls, any four Super Bowls would be an achievement. To to have the four Super Bowls I had, I, I couldn't have wished for better. So,
0: yeah. I mean, just before we the kick off, uh, Roger, um, obviously, the NFL owners approved the three rule changes for 2020, but mm-hmm. the onside kick alternative is not among them. Yep. Any, any thoughts on that? Um, officially,
2: the word, is, it was tabled, which doesn't mean to say that they said no, but it means to say that they pushed it back for a decision later on. That, that right. normally means is they want to refine the wording to make sure that it's a balance between the uh, the, yeah. the positive and the negatives of the play. <laughs> So what they mean is that they don't like the exact way it's been described at the moment for the rule change, but they'd like to refine the way that they actually perceive how that will work. They'll run through scenarios, might be some um, pre-season differences, to see how things actually pan out. Talking of which, uh, one of the pre-season things uh, that will happen is a sky judge. Um, That one didn't get through, but will get through eventually. Um, So it's some officiating person that sits in the booth and actually looks down on the game and Make the calls like that happened in that New Orleans yeah. so, uh, travesty, um, and, and that overall occasional lapses that happen, um, it hasn't yet come to the play, but it, it will in time.
1: Hmm. One thing I was going to ask Roger is, um, I don't know if you followed the
2: XFL over the course of. I did.
1: Blan- the, you know, yeah, oh, you... of that
2: I, I, I think I had a vested interest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is is there any is there any sort of rules? from that league you would implement in the NFL? Well, the
2: Sky Judge was, was one that they had yeah, there. Yeah. Um, combine that with the way that they run the Sky Judge, uh, or the way they run replay would be a better way of describing it, which was you had open ears to the conversation that happened between the replay official and the on-field officials. You could hear why they were saying, what they were saying, this decision because. And I think that really helps the fans understand that it's not just somebody comes down and suddenly rules Try, <laughs> no try. You know, it, they actually come down and say why they can't rule it one way or another. There wasn't visual evidence that his knee was down before, and therefore you're going to go with the call on the field so that the play stands. It's very clear why they're making those decisions, and I think that openness um, was very good for the XFL. I think their kickoff rule actually worked. I mean, one of the things I find yeah. really boring about the NFL is actually the kickoffs. Most of them aren't returned, so a you know, big build up to start the game gets all excited uh, taking the knee in the end zone. Yeah, <laughs> wrong time of taking the knee um, <laughs> but yeah it's things like that it's like so you could there's lots of changes like that that would actually enhance the NFL if they were to accept that uh, and you know gr- breathing grounds like the old XFL gave replay as the NFL had it it was the ground for where they tried it out um, it eventually was- got to the NFL so there's
0: hope yet that the XFL rules might make it. Wow. Honestly Roger, this has been an absolute pleasure um having you on. Um, I love you a bits. I think everything that you bring to the NFL UK community um is is just incredible. And for all our listeners um coming in um please honestly follow Roger um, he's on Twitter, he's always on NFL UK Facebook and um, kicking ass. Um, as he has to that's his job um, along with me Um, um, that's my new nickname Stuart Roger kick ass good grow yeah kicking ass good grow style yes I like that Um, again Roger thank you so much for being part of this podcast Um, I hope you come on again because anything that's going to change within rules within the NFL you're going to be the first guy we're going to tap up um, to come on so again I thank you for your time um, and, and, and honestly keep safe always a pleasure anytime you want me absolutely Roger have a good night and I'll speak to you soon buddy yeah Um, pleasure Stuart yeah same same you I'll speak to you soon buddy yeah see you soon thanks pleasure good night guys